Well, would you please take your Bibles and turn with me now to the book of Psalms and find Psalm 130. Psalm 130, when you have that in front of you, would you follow along as I read, this is God's word. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would grant us grace now to hear your word quiet our hearts, open our hearts, give us humility of heart. We need to hear from you, God. And so, Lord, we're looking to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what a week it has been in our community. I was not scheduled to be preaching this morning. Uh, We had two weeks scheduled yet remaining in our Proverbs series. Someone else was supposed to preach this morning and I was scheduled to come back next week and preach a final message in that series. But as you well know, we've had quite a week here. As we've watched the events unfold day by day, and how unsettling it's been for us and how dismaying it's been to observe. One small thing that has been uh, of great encouragement to me, but also a little unsettling, is how many texts and emails I have received this past week from pastors from all across the country. I mean, literally. Um, from those close by in Illinois and Michigan and Ohio, but from Florida and Kansas and Idaho 
and New Jersey and Arizona and Colorado and Kentucky and California and Virginia and Minnesota. And we've heard from pastors and fellow believers from around the world. Um, It's been very encouraging to know that they are praying for us, but it's a little unsettling when you realize that the reason that they're reaching out is because they're watching the news and they're seeing your town on their TV screens, the name of your city, Kenosha, blazoned across their television screens. So with what's happened this week, uh, the sense of the pastoral team was that we couldn't just kind of go on with business as usual and that it was important for me to stand here and to speak this morning. And as I adjusted my schedule this past week and I began to focus my thoughts This psalm, Psalm 130, came to my mind. I believe the Holy Spirit brought it to mind. And so I'm not going to address this morning the issues of race directly. We'll do that as best we can in days soon to come. But this morning, I want to do something larger, something that exists prior to, to issues of race or whatever it might be. I want to anchor us in God. And that's, I believe, why Psalm 130 came to my mind. Friends, there are, there are riches here for us, really amazing truths pertinent even in our current situation. I mean, look at verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Or look at verse 7. With the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is, do you see that word? More than enough redemption. I mean, those are amazing. Those are life changing, community changing, everything changing truths if people would only hear them and believe them. But I want for us this morning to focus in on just one small phrase here. It's right at the beginning of verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. What the psalmist is saying is, O people of God, Put your hope in God. We could say this morning, O Christian, hope in the Lord. And that's what I want us to hear. In fact, that's what I want us to do this morning. Now, it's really important that we hear that phrase from verse 7 rightly. Those words, hope in the Lord, could either be a a call of desperation. Everything is falling apart around us, so hope in the Lord, which, by the way, is not inappropriate at all. It's it's how those words do get used at times in the Bible, but not here. Instead, here, it is calling us to a chosen posture of heart and mind, a purposed choice. This is what you do, Christian, You put your hope in the Lord. This is how we live, no matter what the circumstances are. I mean, everything could be going just fine. 
Nonetheless, put your hope in the Lord. That's how to live. Everything could be going wrong. Put your hope in the Lord. Listen, this is, this is not some kind of rose-colored, you know, avoid-looking-at-reality kind of thing. In fact, I'm going to try to show this morning that, that it's just the opposite of that. But it is a purposeful focus. It's an intentional, chosen posture, putting our hope in God. So, what is that? This hoping in God. Let me try to unpack that phrase. This is making God the fundamental and controlling reality of your life. That's what you're building on. That's what you're resting on. That's what you're, you're counting on this. That's what putting your hope in something means. God is what you're counting on. God is what you're trusting in. God is your foundation. He is your cornerstone. He's your reference point. Hoping in God is making the fact that there is a God and not just some vague general kind of deity out there, but this particular God, this real God, this God is what you're basing your life on. Or to use another image, God is the lens through which you see everything and by which you order your entire life. You're choosing to put all your trust, your confidence, right there. Not that you don't have to think about or deal with other realities, but you deal with them in a way that is profoundly shaped by the existence of and the real presence of and the sovereign and good lordship of this God. Your way of seeing things is shaped by his way of seeing things. Your way of feeling about things is shaped by his way of feeling about things. Your life is shaped by his heart, by his ways, by his word, and not just in some nominal way. I mean, you actually get your thoughts shaped, your behavior shaped by God and what he said. You've staked your life there in him. You're entrusting yourself completely to him so that when God says something, you pay attention and you change. This is what it means to put your hope in God. You stake your life there in him. You say, this is the place I'm going to build my life on. I'm sure that we've all seen at one point or another, uh, probably in like maybe a movie or in a TV show, a scene of gambling a poker game or whatever game it is they play with a roulette wheel. You should probably be encouraged that I don't know about this. (laughs) Um, And you've seen at some point a person take their stack of chips and just push them out on the table. Their whole stack of chips and they just push it out and saying, I'm putting everything here. That's what this is. I'm taking my whole stack and I'm placing it on God. That's what I'm putting all of my hope in. That's where I'm putting all of my hope. That's what I'm trusting in. That's what I'm counting on. So the question now becomes, why? 
Why, why do this? Why not hedge your bets at least a little bit? Why not take some of those chips and kind of put them over there on government, our great country? Why not take some of those chips and put them over here on my financial security or maybe in my own ability and strength and wisdom or whatever it might be? Why not, why not put your hope in something a little bit more tangible? Well, fundamentally, it's because of who God is and what he's done for us and what he's promised to be and do for us. That's why I read this passage earlier from Isaiah chapter 57. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with you, with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And that, that character and that compassion of God toward us, that, that gracefulness is captured, I think re-articulated so profoundly by Jesus when he says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, I'm lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me because I have what you need. So fundamentally, we put our hope in God because of who God is and because of what he's done for us in Christ and what he's promised to complete for us in Christ. I mean... Friends, where else would we go? Where else would you put your hope? All other places are false hopes. Unreliable grounds for hope. But now let me try to answer that why question from another perspective. Why hope in God? Let me suggest two more practical reasons. First... You know this. There is so much in life for us to attend to. Our lives are full. So much for us to be engaged in, for us to be concerned about, so much for us to be occupied with. Our families, our work, our daily responsibilities, to say absolutely nothing about our responsibility, whatever that might be, for our community. So much calling for our time and our attention and our energy, things going on, that if we don't have our eyes on something bigger and greater, if we're not grounded in something bigger and greater than the stuff that occupies our lives, if we're not grounded in something deep and unshakable that is not susceptible to upheaval and unraveling or change of any kind, If you don't have that other grounding, I mean, you're going to get yanked and pushed around and affected in all kinds of ways as the stuff of your life changes and moves. What if my job changes and I have to move? What if I lose my job and I can't find work? What if my friends or a family member lets me down? What if my presidential candidate doesn't win? What if buildings in my hometown burn? What if I can't get to where I'm trying to go? 
What if my health unexpectedly fails? What if a virus comes in and changes all of our lives? Friends, I tell you, we need an anchor point. We need a firm foundation to stand not just on, but in. We need something solid and real and unshakable. And God says over and over and over again, that's me. That's who I am. Put your hope in me. Listen to how frequently, how powerfully God's word says this. God, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. That's Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. And it's worth knowing where that is in your Bible. Or here's another. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So you're our dwelling place. You're the one where we're going to pitch our tent. That's Psalm 90. Or here's another way it gets said. Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. Unshakable. That's Hebrews 13.8. Or listen to this. This is Isaiah chapter 33, verses 5 and 6. This past week, uh, in our pastor's accountability uh, time, one of the guys shared about how what's been going on this week has affected him very personally, very concretely, because of the proximity of his home to some threat And he needed to take his family to another place for a night. And as he's processing this, am I thinking rightly about this, with another brother from this church, that brother shared this with him. This is is Isaiah chapter 33, verses 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. I tell you, there's a verse to read and meditate on. He will be the stability of your times. Not your government, not your house, not anything about you, him. Or I think about Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And having you, I lack nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. Listen, it is only if you are living in God, only if you have put your hope in God that you will be steady in this world, that you will be able to be really steadfast and unmovable and even abounding in the work that God has given you to do. Even as things shift and change all around you. So that's the first reason, practically, to put your hope in God. But there's a second reason. Here it is. It's only if you are living with yourself grounded in God that you're going to be able to be meaningfully, usefully engaged in the here and now. Let me tell you what I mean. Putting your hope in God, living with your hope in God, 
will help us to pray rightly. I mean, how are you going to even pray if you haven't put your hope in God? But if you really do believe there is a God and you believe in this God and you've staked your life there, now you have grounds to pray and you have motivation to pray and you have direction and reason and content to your prayers. You have someone to pray to, someone who hears and acts. I mean, that is the operating assumption of this psalm. Look at verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. This psalmist knows that in his situation, in fact, in any situation, self-help is no answer. No, he turns to God, the one who he's put his hope in. In fact, there is in this psalm this steady rise of assurance from crying out, verse 1, to waiting on the Lord, verse 5, to his expression of absolute confidence in God, in verse 8. And that's what we see over and over again in Scripture, those who put their hope in God know how to pray rightly. I think about Noah. I think about Abraham. I think about Joseph. I think about Esther. I think about Daniel. I think about Mary. I think about Paul. And every last psalm, every one of them, Listen, putting your hope in God will help you pray, which is the way that we relate to and connect to a sovereign, all-powerful God who is also your Father. Isn't that what Jesus taught us to do when you pray? Say, Father, Father. But not only does putting our hope in God help us to pray rightly, putting our hope in God helps us to think Rightly. With every situation we face, every area of our lives, big, small, we can either think rightly about it or we're going to be thinking wrongly about it. And the only way to think rightly is to align our thoughts with God's and the only way that that's going to happen is if we are fully entrusting ourselves to Him. So that's going to help us to think rightly about, I mean, think about this, really big things like how to deal with the persistence of sin in your life. Look at verses 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I tell you, I want to think rightly about that because if I'm thinking wrongly about that, I'm going to be in a world of hurt. The fact that God doesn't treat me, the fact that God doesn't treat us if we are his, if we, if we are in Christ, the fact that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, the fact that there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in me, I want to think rightly about that, and I long for all of us to think rightly about that so that we're not trapped in condemnation or in some performance cycle. And we won't think rightly, we can't think rightly if God, this God, isn't the ground of our thinking and our hope. So it helps us to think rightly about like really big things, ultimate things, but then it also helps us to think rightly about every last area of our lives. I sat in my office yesterday with a young couple who are going to get married 
very soon. I'm doing pre-marriage counseling with them. And yesterday we talked about the, the two big stressors in marriage, money and sex. And I communicated with them, as I do with every young couple who's anticipating getting married, I communicated, listen, there is no way you're going to think rightly about those two things in your marriage if you're not grounded in God. And if you're not trusting in God's ways, and if you're not taking your cue from God, friends, the only way you're going to think rightly is if you've put your hope in God. And you're looking to him. I think about the issues that we're currently facing in our community and in our nation. We are not going to think rightly about race. We are not going to think rightly about society. We are not going to think rightly about institutions of law and government unless we have first put our hope in God and are therefore entrusting ourselves to his mind and his heart on all of those matters. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying this morning or in the coming days, I'm not going to try to answer all of the questions. But I am saying the only way we're going to think rightly is if we've put our hope in God and his word and his ways and we're thinking and living with him as our foundation and our reference point. All right, one more thing. Hoping in God helps us to pray rightly. Hoping in God helps us to think rightly. Putting our hope in God helps us to be toward others rightly. Think with me here. If our hope is in God, we are now freed up to not have to put our hope in others, whether individuals or institutions, which can load those relationships with weight they were never meant to bear. You following me? I love my wife, but I have not put my hope, this kind of hope, in her. Bev loves me, but she has not put her hope, this hope, in me. Now, obviously, I am not saying that we don't have responsibility to pursue righteousness and faithfulness in these relationships. And clearly there is a measure of a kind of hope that is appropriate to our relationship. But not this kind of hope. Not Psalm 130 verse 7 kind of hope. Do you see, do you see how this helps us and how it rescues us? I don't put my hope in government I have some measure of a kind of hope, but not this kind of hope. I don't put my hope in particular presidential candidates. I have some hopefulness, but not this kind of hope. I don't put my hope in my work or my finances. I've got a little bit of hope about how I'll do things, but not this kind of hope. Do you see how this frees up other things, other people, other relationships to just be what God meant them to be in our lives and not more. Only God can bear the weight of this kind of hope. I hope you can see how all of this helps us very practically. Now, we don't hope in God ultimately for pragmatic 
reasons, but friends, it matters how we live. It matters how we pray. It matters how we think. It matters how we relate to those around us. So we put our hope in God both to steady us in the midst of a shifting world and to help us engage rightly and well. And I say it again, besides, where else are you going to go? As for me, the nearness of God is my good. That's where I'm going to put my hope. So I wait for the Lord and in his word I hope. I look to him with purpose and with eagerness and with great confidence. That's what I'm building my life on. That's where I'm, I'm putting my entire stack of chips That's what I'm letting rule my life. So, Crossway, right now in the midst of this swirl that we're in and all the time, come what may, foul winds or sunny days, let us put our hope completely in God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word and not just for the clarity but for the energy of your word, the clear sense of importance that is carried in this psalm. God, thank you that you didn't speak in a ho-hum way but by the very form of the words that are spoken as you directed whoever wrote this psalm, God, thank you for impressing it on us, not just in its truth, but in its weight. God, help us to not just leave this as we walk out these doors. God, if there is some adjustment, some change, some re-anchoring, some recommitment, I pray, Lord, help us, help us as a church, as individuals, to place our hope in you and to pull it back from any other place that we put this kind of hope and therefore to be able to engage and relate and think and pray in a way that is not only honoring to you but useful and glorifying to you and good so that we might in fact be salt and light in this world where where you've put us. God help us.